Welcome to Travels with Alicia. In this third and final episode of Lower Manhattan, I will cover the area that includes Little Italy, Chinatown, and the Lower East Side. Let's start with Little Italy. Today, this is such a small section of Lower Manhattan. It's almost more symbolic. It starts at Canal Street and goes for three to four blocks north on Mulberry. Most of the Italian community has since moved out and they're residing in Queens, the Bronx, and Staten Island. It used to be a very busy residential area in the mid-1800s. There was so much crime and disease that this was just ripe for the Italian mob to really grow and take hold. And this area has become legendary and connected to organized crime. Hollywood has made tons of movies that kind of stem back to this area in New York, and they love to glorify it. But really, let's talk about what's left. If you go to Little Italy, like I said, it's very small and it's symbolic. Would I say that it's something you need to go out of your way to see Little Italy in Manhattan? The answer would be no. But if you are in Lower Manhattan, it's absolutely worth going for a walk on Mulberry Street. And it's iconic. There's like a sign that says, Welcome to Little Italy. It lights up at night. There's Italian restaurants that line the street. And it has a very European feel. They've had outdoor dining well before the pandemic and COVID. It's just an area where they have heat lamps. People sit outside. They people watch. And honestly, I've eaten at many of the restaurants. There's at least 20 or so along this, you know, three blocks. And I really have not had a bad meal. One of the really positive things about it is that you don't need a reservation. And so if you're in New York and you don't have your day planned out perfectly and you just love to have an Italian dinner, I'd always say Little Italy is a good place to go. One of the restaurants that's still connected to the mob history is Umberto Clam House. And that's on 132 Mulberry Street. And in 1972, the mobster Joey uh, Gallo was murdered while having dinner there. It's a place that a lot of people seek out. It's very iconic in the history of New York, of the New York mob scene. But like I said, there's like at least 20 or more other Italian restaurants that are wonderful. And you really can just stop in almost any of them and don't need a reservation. It makes for great people watching. There's tourists from all over the world. And so sitting out there with a glass of wine and some homemade pasta really makes for an enjoyable time. Some of the other things that you can do in Little Italy is look at street art. There is so much beautiful street art in the area. And um, one of my favorites is the Audrey Hepburn picture. And it kind of is her breakfast at Tiffany. And that's what it's supposed to represent. And it's at 176 Mulberry. I I enjoy street art. So it's one of the things I like to do as I'm walking around. Another thing I'm going to mention about Little Italy, and it has nothing to do with that it's in Little Italy. It's not Italian. But there's a side street, a grand street, it's called. And there's a place called Baz Bagel. And I will highly recommend it. Um, I Last time I was in New York, my daughter wanted a bagel and Again, being in Little Italy in Chinatown, there's not a huge selection of um, bagel places. And we found this gem, and it was unbelievable. I will say, in the spirit of New York, they weren't the friendliest place, 
but the food was fantastic. I got the bagel with lox, and it was so huge, and it had um, salmon caviar all over it. I think it was $18 for a bagel, but I will tell you, I have been craving it ever since. And so, again, in Little Italy, Baz Bagel is, is a real find if you happen to be in the area. So the next thing I'd like to talk about is Chinatown. Honestly, this is one of my absolute favorite areas in New York City. There's so much going on, and it's a very large area. So there's many Chinatowns popping up all over New York City, but this one has been there, and this is what is tied to the immigrant history. The Chinese immigrants that came over were 98% men. Very few were women, and the women that did come were all married. It wasn't until about 1960 that women started immigrating from China. And so we had tons of Chinese men immigrants. And how did they get started in the U.S.? A lot of them took jobs that were really normally women's work, and they became very, very successful. And laundries is one of the areas and one of the industries that they really started in the United States. Today, Chinatown that's in lower Manhattan is very alive and vibrant. It is residential, so it's not just a place where people go to eat. There are a huge amount of people living in Chinatown. There's a lot of very large apartment complexes on the outskirts of Chinatown, and so it makes it for a very vibrant community because people are actually living there. You will see lots of restaurants, but you'll also see markets You will see temples. You will see lots of things that make it a community and a place that is exciting to visit. So as I mentioned, um, culture. I mean, that is what brings a lot of people to this Chinatown. And there... It's not just temples. I mean, one of the best is the Mayahana Buddhist Temple, and that's on Canal Street. But there's also other things going on culturally. Columbus Park is always so busy. If you go there, you will see Tai Chi. You will see tons of ancient Asian music being played. And it is the hot spot for gambling. So you do not need to think about casinos, especially the older citizens who will be sitting there gambling. They've made their own casinos. They're right there in Columbus Park. But it's a wonderful place to visit, and you will almost feel like you've been transported to Asia. So I highly recommend it. The next thing I would do is seek out Doyer Street. So D-O-Y-E-R-S, Doyer Street. This street is interesting because just like Little Italy is connected to crime and organized crime, this street also has an Asian crime history kind of associated with it. It used to be called the Bloody Triangle. So it's a place today that's fantastic. It's full of art in restaurants, and it really is a wonderful place to be, but it has a very seedy past. So if you're on Doyer Street, what's there to do? I mean, again, I mentioned there's lots of restaurants and shops, but one thing I want to point out to you is there is a speakeasy, and this is one of the oldest in the city. It's called Apocathy, and it's on 9 Doyer Street. This used to be an opium den. I mean, this is a huge find. I probably shouldn't even be sharing it with everyone. But it's behind a 200-year-old door, and it's under a sign called the Golden Flower Restaurant. It is fantastic. You don't necessarily need a reservation. It's first come, first serve. And so if it gets filled up, you won't be let in. But they have really interesting medicinal cocktails. The menu says, like, stimulants, 
aphrodisiacs, stress relievers, and they all have really interesting names and very organic ingredients. Also, earlier in the, I guess, late afternoon or afternoons, they even run classes out of there. So they teach bartenders how to make drinks that have actually medicinal qualities to them. So again, look up uh, Apocathy, and it's spelled A-P-O-T-E-K-E. And if you are in Chinatown, that definitely should be on your list to check out. So you have to mention food in Chinatown. There are so many dim sum, noodle houses, dumpling places. I encourage you to walk around, look at where it's busy, and just go in. I mean, that is probably the best thing of all to do in Chinatown. I will call out the Chinatown Ice Cream Factory. I'm going to mention this only because it's so unusual. It's been there since the 70s. It's on 65 Bayard Street. And they have a really nice menu that kind of explains some of their original flavors. They have Thai iced tea flavor. Of course, things like red bean, the almond cookie. They have a lot of interesting Asian flavors, but they also have all the normal flavors. Definitely check out the Chinatown Ice Cream Factory. All I can tell you is if you've been around and been touring New York City all day, there is nothing better than ending your day with a foot massage and then going to get some great food. I can recommend, um, I've been, lately I've gone to a place on 5 Mott Street and they're about $35 for an hour foot massage. So I think that's a, a great price and it's a very clean place. For people who are more apprehensive, there is a place that's very reputable and very highly rated. It's called the Renew Day Spa and it's been in business you know, at least 10 years, and it's a little more expensive, and you might actually need a reservation. But if you're not comfortable with the little small mom-and-pop places, it's definitely something to put on your radar and maybe make a reservation if you're in the area. Before I jump into the Lower East Side, let's talk about some accommodations in this area. I'm going to mention, like, three great hotels. You would have access and could easily get around Little Italy, Chinatown, and the Lower East Side. The first place I'm going to mention is Citizen M. This is a chain of hotels in very strategic cities around the world. They do usually have a trendy younger crowd. It's on 189 Bowery, and the rooms are very modern. I will say I don't think it's for everyone because the rooms are very kind of almost spaceship feeling, but it has a king-size bed and a large screen TV, and I happen to love it. If you're by yourself or there's two of you and you don't mind a really small, cozy room, like I said, it has a giant bed and TV. But what makes this hotel special is that they usually have very large communal areas. So it's really great. It's almost like a co-working space. People sit together at tables, and it's a good way to meet people. They also have rooftops at these hotels, and they usually keep them private for guests. And so it's one place, and a lot of times you go to rooftops, you have to pay so much money, and there's like minimum spends sometimes. But at a Citizen M hotel, you get to go up there, and they have a bar that's actually reasonable, and it's a small crowd. So it's a real plus. This particular Citizen M also has something absolutely unique they have a street art museum. So if you go up, like you're going to go to the rooftop, right across from the rooftop, there's a door. And that door, you open it and it's a stairwell. And that stairwell is actually a street art museum. 
And so you do not have to be staying at the hotel to go visit the Street Art Museum. It's called the Bowery Street Art Museum. And so I highly recommend doing that and putting the Citizen M Hotel on your list of places to go. The second hotel I'm going to call out is called 50 Bowery. I just love this hotel. I stayed here and I really want to go back. It's at the edge of Chinatown. The rooms are colorful. They're very comfortable. They're they're bigger than the Citizen M. They're they're kind of colorful, but then they have black and white photos of the Chinese immigrant history and families. And it's between the black and white and the color, it just makes for a trendy feel. They have a fourth floor that has a huge area where people kind of watch. They can watch the news together. It's kind of like a meeting area. It's not trendy like Citizen M, but they have an outdoor area and an indoor area and a huge projection TV. And when I was there, there was a lot of people with takeout because a lot of the Asian restaurants in Chinatown, they don't have a lot of seating. And also with COVID, people were grabbing their food and then coming up to this fourth floor communal area and all eating. And it was just a really good vibe. And I really enjoyed it. The last thing I'll mention is they have an amazing rooftop. I got the most gorgeous pictures out kind of over the Manhattan Bridge. You can have a whole view of the city. It's called the Crown Bar. The drinks were like, I don't know, not that expensive for New York, like $15 a piece. Very, very worth it. Go up there and you will have amazing views. So the last hotel I'm going to call out in this area is the Public Hotel. And I stayed there this year with three generations of my family. It is a beautiful hotel. It's Instagram worthy. The escalators light up in a yellow and they glow as you enter the hotel. They have lots of meeting areas. They have a fancy restaurant on the first floor. It was important for us to have places to gather since we had at least 15 people. Honestly, there was plenty of room to gather by the bar on the second floor or even downstairs. They also have a rooftop, and I did not get there. Some of the younger crowd of my group wanted to go up, but they do have, it was the weekend, and they had minimums, and you had to have bottle service and things like that. I would have loved to see it. So that's something to know that if you want to, there is a rooftop bar there as well. So there's three hotels, Citizen M, 50 Bowery and the Public Hotel that I would 100% recommend. Just look at which has the best price, you know, for the time you're coming and you definitely will have a great stay and can get everywhere. I'd like to end this episode to talk a little bit about the Lower East Side. What is this area like? People compare it to a miniature Williamsburg. It's creative, maybe even a little grungy, but I'd like to touch on the highlights of the Lower East Side. One area I am going to call out, and I think, you know, especially with what everything that's going on in the world, we need to talk about little Ukraine. There is an area in the Lower East Side. It is between 6th and 7th Street and 1st and 3rd Avenue. And this area is known as little Ukraine. And with the war in Ukraine, it's gotten so much publicity in New York. There are so much good work being done by the Ukrainian community. And I'm going to mention this restaurant called Veselka. It is a 24-hour diner. It's a diner, but it's actually nice and trendy. And the owner and the employees have done so much to raise money to help victims of the war. 
And so I highly recommend going to Veselka. It's open 24 hours and um, support them. Another thing is there's the St. George Ukrainian Church right there. They also do a lot of wonderful work to support um, the Ukrainian community. They have a cafeteria in their church, and they open it at lunchtime. And if you're super adventuresome, you can go there for lunch. It's supposedly very inexpensive, and the money all goes to a good cause. And if you happen to be there at lunchtime, it, it could be an adventure to do it. But if not, go to Veselka. It's open 24 hours and support the Ukrainian community. Another thing that you have to do if you're in this area is the Tenement Museum. This is really a two large buildings and that were home to like 15,000 people from 20 nations. This museum is really focused on the history of the immigrants to the U.S. It's at 103 Orchid Street. Amazing. You actually get to see like I think two or three apartments and, and go into them. So please go to the Tenement Museum. Check that out. You'll be happy you did. This area is you know, has a lot of Jewish history. One of the famous restaurants is called Russ and Daughters Cafe. It's 127 Orchids, so it's close to the Tenement Museum. You could do them in, you know, one trip. It's basically Jewish comfort food. They also have lots of fancy cocktails. It's always rated really, really high, and I recommend it. The other restaurant is Cat's Deli, and this is at 205 Houston Street. And this is really more no frills. It's mile high sandwiches. And you really need to know how to order. They don't take kindly to tourists coming in there and just standing and not knowing what to order. So I'll look at the menu in advance. They have hot and cold sandwiches, platters, things like that. But this, you really need to do that because this restaurant is so busy. Cat's Deli was featured in the movie When Harry Met Sally. So if you haven't seen that movie and haven't seen that scene, I really am not going to describe it to you, but you definitely have to check it out. And people recreate the scene at this restaurant, so it can be quite entertaining if you hit it when you, there's a lot of tourists there. So Cat's Deli is, is not just a tourist place. This is a local Jewish deli, and um, people love it. It's just loved by the locals. The other thing that's in the Lower East Side is there's another Chinatown. So I talked about Chinatown in lo- in this episode, and that is the hugest, largest, vibrant Chinatown in all of New York City. But there are other little kind of satellite Chinatowns popping up all over, and some have been there longer, some are new. This is a newer one. In the Lower East Side, this is considered the hippest Chinatown. This is targeting a young crowd, and especially the wealthy population from NYU. There is a very large Asian student population in NYU. There's a lot of restaurants that have been popping up. There's one called Saigon Social. One's called Pig and Cow, and not cow, I mean K-H-A-O. It's not the traditional Chinese food. It's more fusion food. There's also a restaurant called the Mala Project, and they've got some midtown locations, and they do these wonderful stir fries with lots of sauces, and highly recommend trying that. The last interesting highlight that I'd want to make on the Lower East Side is that there are two bridges in this area that cross the East River. The first one I want to call out is the Williamsburg Bridge. It's a nice bridge to walk over. It's about 1.3 miles. There's two places you can access it 
on the Lower East Side, and you can walk right into Williamsburg and be able to enjoy Brooklyn as well. And then the other bridge is the Manhattan Bridge. And this one is really interesting because there's people that cross it, bikes, cars, but also there's subways that are crossing this bridge. It has a beautiful entrance to it. It has columns and arches. It's right next to the 50 Bowery Hotel that I told you about. It's at Bowery and Canal Street. It's a beautiful entrance, but it's not as neither the Manhattan Bridge or the Williamsburg Bridge are as beautiful to walk across as the Brooklyn Bridge, which I talked about in the first episode. But they can be wonderful day trips. You know, if you're out for the day and want to go for a walk, I would highly recommend crossing them. There's one interesting fact that I'd love to end on, and that is that the Manhattan Bridge, the one there with the columns that's right there at the corner of Chinatown, this bridge actually has a structural flaw because in 1980, the bridge moved and dropped about eight feet. They closed this bridge for two decades, and they spent over $900 million to fix this structural flaw. The bridge obviously is back open, in use, and you can walk across it. But I will tell you, if the two subway trains are crossing parallel, you can still feel the bridge move. And it's not near as much as it used to be, but it's just an interesting fact. And I hope that if you're in the Lower East Side and you have some time, please enjoy crossing the East River. They have beautiful pedestrian walkways on all three bridges. Thanks for joining me on this final episode of Lower Manhattan. Stay tuned as I move on covering Midtown Manhattan. Mm -hmm.